This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Join you every morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you as always for making this a part of your morning routine. It's very much appreciated and I hope you had a good start to your week. So I hope you enjoyed yesterday's uh, pre-recorded episode with myself, Drew and Ben Browning as well. Uh, massive thank you to those two for jumping on late on Sunday night to help me record uh, what was an absolutely in- imperative show uh, to record to discuss in great detail the David Reyes situation, how the effects of that are on uh, Aaron Ramsdale, Matt Turner, etc. Um, and I hope that you all enjoyed that. Thank you to all the likes, the subscriptions, and, and everything else that went on during that show. And uh, yeah, there, there was obviously big reasons as to why uh, that, that show was was taking place and why that show happened. But yesterday, I, I took part in a a rather large event, uh, 72 holes of golf in one day. It was not uh, an easy feat, believe me. Um, but myself... And three very good friends of mine uh, managed to complete the challenge. Uh, we started at 6 a.m. Uh, in the morning and ended up finishing at about 7 p.m. So it was a good 13 hours uh, of, of walking. Uh, overall, we managed to cover 43.18 kilometers, uh, 54,000 steps, nearly 7,000 calories burned, and we raised over... £1,500 uh, for Cancer Midland support in memory, in my case, of, of Vinny, our good friend Vinny, um, who sadly passed away due to uh, esophageal cancer. And uh, yeah, we managed to raise a lot of money uh, through doing it. But I am relatively broken this morning. Uh, it was a really, really difficult challenge. Um, I absolutely underestimated kind of how hard that it was. You're, you are walking the length of a marathon. It is 26 miles and uh, all while playing golf throughout the entire thing as well. We're going around an 18-hole course four times in one day. Um, obviously, it's it's. I would say it's, it's not as tough as a marathon. Obviously, you're not running it. But what you are doing in addition to actually covering the distance is, you know, you're 
you're looking for for golf balls that you've lost. You're swinging your club. You, it, it was it was a long long day. Um, but managed to get a couple of good scores. Uh, not my best, but certainly my best for that course. And uh, yeah, it was a very very successful day out in the end. But thank you again to everybody that continued to help support the cause uh, because it was certainly uh, a fantastic day in the end. So thank you to everybody. And good morning to those joining us in the chat box. Good morning to Martin, to Peter, to Richard. Good morning to Kaiser, Justin, Martin, uh, the Italian Stallion, Paul, Matt G, Mr. Arsenal. Good morning to Vlad, Tenka Hall, Stevie, Errol, Femi, Guna Jake, Johan, Steve, uh, Biggest, uh, Carada, Sandman and Jashar. Good morning to all of you. Thank you everyone else as well sorry i can't say morning to everybody but thank you to everybody uh for tuning in because it is certainly appreciated right then shall we crack on with today's stories i think that we should we kick off uh with sambi lakonga uh he is in talks uh with arsenal and burnley over securing a uh season long loan deal and uh certainly is a very very interesting situation because we're still not 100 percent kind of clear on how this deal is going to develop we don't know if it's going to be a permanent transfer we don't know if the loan if it is agreed agreed to be a loan will include an option or an obligation to buy Arsenal will certainly want to be including things like that in any possible deals so that they can try and get some control over a potential permanent transfer I've always said that an option that's included in a loan is never the best situation for us um it's never, ever going to give you the outcome that you really want as a selling club. It gives you very little control. A player could have a brilliant loan spell, be worth far more than the option suggests, and then the club just activate the option. Or the, the buying club have absolutely no um, interest in activating an option and uh, have full control in that sense as well because they deem it too expensive. What we saw with uh, Lucas Torreira and Fiorentina. If you remember, Fiorentina came to the end of that loan deal and then decided they wanted to pay less for Lucas Torreira. And it meant that eventually the talks just broke down and he eventually joined Galatasaray for a very small amount of money. So if it is a loan, I hope it's either a dry loan or one with an obligation to buy, depending on a number of uh, kind of factors in appearances and stuff like that. So yeah, let's wait and see what happens. Um, but Samuel Lukonga remains in talks with Burnley over a brand new potential move. Sheffield United, uh, who are not spelled that way, <laughs> are continuing to have talks uh, with uh, Arsenal regarding a potential move for Austin Trusty. The U.S. men's national team uh, international player has had a really good season last season, of course, with Birmingham. He returned to the club in the summer and Sheffield United is said to be in talks over a deal for Trusty. Now, Arsenal signed Trusty in a deal worth around two to three million pounds, as far as I'm aware. Um, now, Sheffield United are looking to try and buy the player for around five million pounds. So Arsenal would be making a, pro, uh, a profit during that that transfer if it does indeed go through. Uh, and it's a deal that needs to happen. You know, Austin Trusty's future does need to be resolved. Uh, he does need to find a place where he can play regularly. There are said to be further interest from clubs in the championship as well. But Sheffield United right now are the team leading the race to try and sign Austin trustee. So again, we hope that this one gets resolved again very, very soon. The highest profile departure that we are looking at at the moment is still following Balogun. However, potential uh, moves out of the club have taken a significant hit. Uh, Inter Milan are said to be out of talks at the moment. They have pulled away from any discussions with Arsenal in favour of signing the potentially cheaper 
Jean-Luc Skamaka of West Ham United. Um, they are a club, obviously, that are somewhat restricted in the amount of money that they can spend in comparison to some other elite-level clubs on the planet because Serie A and Italian size in general are not blessed with huge amounts of money. Um, and Arsenal's £50 million asking price is creating it seems a bit of a problem. And, and this is something that I have discussed before. You know, I said at the start of the window that £35 million is what I would kind of expect him to go for in the market. The clubs that are going to be interested in him uh, outside of Europe, are, it's very unlikely they're going to be able to afford a £50 million deal. What Arsenal have got to be hopeful of is a team in the Premier League, like a Brighton or a Crystal Palace or a Brentford or a Fulham, someone like that, who is willing to spend upwards of £40 million potentially on a player comes in for Balogun. Otherwise, it's going to be very, very difficult to find a buyer at that level. Potentially a club like PSG, you never know, could end up coming in after they missed out on Rasmus Hoyland. Could they now move for following Balogun? I think maybe that's an avenue that we could see explored. So don't be surprised if you start seeing PSG linked with a move for Balogun. Um, but Arsenal are in a very difficult situation because whilst it might make sense to turn around and say, we'll just don't sell him, keep him for this season... There's a few factors with that. A, Balogun wants to move um, and wants to play regularly. B, um, <laughs> Arsenal have a situation where he'll have one year left, I believe, on his contract in 2024, meaning that any chance of getting a really big fee for Balogun is after a season where he likely plays little to no football because Jesus, Trossard and Ketia seem to be ahead of him in terms of getting minutes at the moment. Um, there is an alternative option, which is to get an extension for a further year and send him on loan for another season. That gives Arsenal still plenty of control in the player's contract come the end of the 23-24 season. Um, but it's very, very difficult to uh, foresee a situation where Arsenal get that £50 million right now. Uh, that's what I believe Arsenal should absolutely be asking for because this is a market in which we've seen players like Rasmus Hoyland move for a huge amount of money. But until you've got the suitor, until you've got the player that is willing to buy, uh, sorry, until you've got the club that's willing to buy the player, you are going to struggle to get that amount of money. No matter what people say, the the, the buying clubs are the ones that dictate the market at the end of the day. And if clubs are not willing to meet a certain figure, you know, arguably that price tag should come down. You look at, well, that depends on, on the player situation. You compare this to the Caicedo situation, for instance, Brighton are trying to dictate the price at £100 million. Difference with that situation and with the Balogun situation is that Caicedo starts every week, week in, week out for Brighton, and he's an asset to them starting going forwards. They've got more scope to be able to stick to their £100 million valuation. Chelsea, you would see, are the only club really in for Caicedo this summer, and they want to pay maximum about £80 million, and that's been recently rejected player wants to move but it doesn't seem to be changing much because he signed a brand new deal less than six months ago which is obviously a bit of a problem for him now but with Balogun with two years left on his contract with very few clubs uh, around that are going to be paying 50 million pounds it could be that that prediction I had at the start of the summer which is that we sell him for around 35 to 40 million pounds ends up being what happens so let's wait and see where this goes um but, and we'll keep you up to date with everything that goes on of course in the world of following Balogun but that is the latest on his future sticking with strikers though and previous Arsenal transfer target Dusan Vlaovic has been offered to Chelsea in a potential 
player plus cash swap deal that includes Lu- uh, Lucas Lukaku, uh, Romelu Lukaku, uh, indeed the player that will be moving if this deal is agreed in another direction. Uh, I know a lot of Arsenal fans have suggested that Vlaovic is a player that they should be looking at being Arsenal, but they have not moved since, of course, the interest they had back in the January window of 2022. Um, Nothing has changed since that point. And Vlaovic actually didn't have the best of seasons last year with Juve. In fact, he scored less league goals than Gabriel Jesus. And there are said to be internal discussions going on at Chelsea to see whether or not this is a deal that would suit them. They already have Nico Jackson. They, of course, have got... Uh, Christopher Nkunku as well, who can play up top also. So it doesn't seem to be the most ideal situation for them to sign uh, Vlahovic. You know, you look at that Chelsea team, where do they need depth? It's difficult to see where they do need depth because they've got such a huge squad now. But Vlahovic uh, and Chelsea seems to be the latest in his transfer profile. Arsenal still not on the player or he not being on the club's radar right now. And Fabrizio Romano also discussing uh, links, which I think have really kind of amounted very loosely in the last, say, 24, 48 hours to Frankfurt central midfielder Gibril Sau. Um, Fabrizio Romano said, speaking to court offside, he said, my understanding is that no decision has been made by so yet. Lazio and Sevilla are insisting for him. Let's see if Arsenal decide to enter the race. But at the moment, they're happy with Thomas Partey staying at the club. And it does seem that a midfield signing is not really on the cards right now. Thomas Partey deciding to stay at the club means that we have Partey, Rice and Jorginho who can play in those deep midfield positions and El Nenny as well, also in the squad. And you've got other players that can play in those kind of attacking tens and slash eight ten hybrids. You've got Odegaard, Vieira, Smith Rowe, of course, can all can play there. Trossard can play there as well. So Arsenal feel that they've got lots of depth in the midfield right now and that there isn't necessarily a need to bring someone in. You've also got the kids, Ethan Ranieri and Miles Lewis Skelly, who Arsenal rate very highly and maybe do not want to block their pathways because uh, they feel they've already got enough players in the squad and they don't need another midfielder. It always did seem that if Partey left, we would move for a midfielder, be that a Romeo Lavia or someone else. But with Partey staying, it doesn't seem like that is going to happen. And our headline story transfer incoming-wise, of course, continues to be David Rea. Uh, reports suggest that Arsenal are willing to pay around £30 million for David Rea, but Brentford are asking for £40 million is the asking price for the Spanish international. It seems that this, this is an obvious compromise to be made between the two teams around that £35 million price tag. Arsenal have done well this season to get players under the valuation that clubs have been asking for, getting Havertz for 65 when Chelsea wanted 75 getting Rice for 105 when they wanted 120 and of course getting Yuri and Timber for around 45-ish million euros and uh, Ajax wanted 60 million euros at the start. So we're hoping that if Arsenal do get a deal done, it's done for a, a price lower than that £40 million figure. If you want to hear mine and the thoughts of a lot of our kind of regulars on the channel, go listen to yesterday's podcast that we did, the Arsenal Transfer Show episode 351. Myself, Drew and Ben discussed in great detail our thoughts around the link to David Raya. So very interesting to see uh, if indeed Raya turns out to be the player that comes into Arsenal because he has had a fantastic season and seasons uh, for Brentford. It would create significant competition for Aaron Ramsdale and his situation continues to be very fluid. Indeed, it seems there's no guarantees about any player in this squad and Mikel Arteta wants to create great competition for the future. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. 
Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Of course, you can still get tickets uh, to our live event taking place in London uh, at the Mild May Club. Uh, on the 13th, Sunday, the 13th of August. That's the day after the Nottingham Forest game, the first game of the Premier League season. If you're in London for the weekend, then join us. Doors open at 5pm. Show starts at 6. I'll be joined by Harry Simu, FK, Mike Feinberg and Bailey Keogh for a couple of hours of great fun, some drinks and, uh, yeah, some good laughs as well and talking about the Arsenal. You can scan that code on your screen or you can go to the link in today's video description. Kids are welcome. Um, You can bring under-18s if you would like. Uh, this is a family channel, so we're opening up two families if they would like to indeed come along. But thank you, everybody that's already joined up. And I'm looking forward to seeing so many of you at the Mulpay Club in just less than two weeks' time. Exciting times ahead. Right then. Questions, chat box. Spacker Lizanne says, any news on Patello? None. It's gone very quiet, which I think maybe gives you a bit of an indication about where things are on that deal. Uh, Penny Ween says, not all heroes wear capes, but why didn't you wear a cape yesterday? Because <laughs> that, can you imagine the drag? You know, Sims 2 holes of golf, 26 miles. I don't need extra drag behind me uh, creating a, a friction with the air. I don't need that. I, yeah, I, I just don't need that. Just do not need that at all. Uh, Derek says, what do you think of Arsenal's contemplating move for Napoli star Kovic Um, I've seen, heard uh, nothing on that. Uh, I'd say that's very much a fanciful style link indeed. Um, yeah. Pinch of salts, pinch of salts uh, is what I would say. Massive, massive pinch of salt. I think I saw the sauce, which gives you an even bigger indication you need a pinch of salt on that one also. Um, Sally says, everyone's saying 30 million is okay. Will you guys accept 30 million for Ramsdale? Meanwhile, Raya is slightly above Ramsdale as well. There are differences, Salu, in the situation. Ramsdale being... Um, you know, obviously a player that's played uh, for Arsenal at the top of the level, top level in the Premier League now. He's got a long-term contract with the club. Raya, of course, only has a year left on his deal and Brentford are willing to sell him and the player is pushing to move. That creates a lot of differences. It's not easy as going, oh, he's worth this, so he must be worth this. No, it depends on the context of the player. It depends on the situation of the players as well. So 30 million to 40 million, I think, is a fair price for Raya, who has a year left on his deal. 
Um, if you were looking to sell Ramsdale, you'd probably be looking at trying to get upwards of 40 to 50 million pounds for Aaron Ramsdale because he has that long-term contract that he's only just signed. Uh, England International, of course, as well. And he's been a starter at Arsenal for the last couple of seasons. So, uh, yeah, it's it's obvious why there's a difference in uh, Brentford's, in, in Raya's price being lower than that of Aaron Ramsdale. Um, Benny says Balogun for Vlaovic. Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, interesting that Juventus aren't the club that are interested in Balogun and would rather go for Lukaku. Very interesting, that one indeed. Ashish says, Tom, given the money that we've already spent and considering Saka's cover, do you think that we should explore the possibility of a swap deal for Raya, especially since Brentford has shown interest in Eddie? Um, what type of swap deal? I mean, are you asking for Ramsdale to go in the other direction for David Raya? Are you looking at Matt Turner going in that direction? I mean, Brentford already signed, uh, is it Flecken? I think they've brought in a Dutch international goalkeeper from Freiburg. They've brought him in to be the replacement uh, for, for David Raya. So, I don't think a swap deal um, is going to happen unless you think it's like Eddie and Ketia maybe going in the other direction to take money off the price tag. Potentially, it's that. Um, but uh, I don't see any interest from Brentford right now in a striker. It seems that they're very content with what they've done. They did sign a striker in January, to be fair. I think they're leaning on them to be their striker for next season. Uh, Neil says, if Brentford won't yield on the fee they want, I can see him going for a massive fight for him in January as Brentford will have no choice as it will there be their last chance to get money for him. Absolutely. Uh, Bayern Munich are, of course, interested. And whilst David Raya prefers a move, it seems to Arsenal right now, if Arsenal are unable to come to an agreement over a price tag for Raya with Brentford, that might mean that Bayern, you know, then move for the player. Who knows? But you're right in the sense that they would be forcing their hand a bit. And Arsenal aren't desperate, by the way, to get Raya, it seems. There isn't a desperation. Yes, Matt Turner could leave and move somewhere else, but Arsenal could sign a goalkeeper on loan if they wanted to. It's not going to be too hard of a, an issue to sign some goalkeepers on loan for a season uh, and get the opportunity. We've done that in the past with players like Matt Ryan, for instance. But Matt Turner... If he does move, I think will be easily replaced. Uh, but Arsenal aren't desperate for David Raya because they already have Ramsdale and they can get a cover in for, for Ramsdale if they need to. Uh, Nexus says, Tom, do you feel we need a number, a, a number, another number, a number, another? <laughs> Thanks, Nexus, for really screwing my mind up there. Do you think we need another number eight who can do the defensive work like Xhaka uh, having two number 10s is uh, risky? I think... I think it's not risky if you have the right system behind it. If Partey or Rice playing behind two tens creates a enough defensive cover with work from the defensive back four as well, then it's not massively risky and plenty of teams do that. Real Madrid have played that style for a long, long time. One DM, two more attacking central midfielders ahead of them, be that, you know, Chouameni or in the past, it was Casemiro of Cruz and, and Modric playing ahead of him. So that midfield three of one deeper player and two forward thinking players is is not necessarily like really, really risky at all. Uh, it depends on how else the team is structured and what other tactics you have in place to cope with it. Uh, I think that we've seen Arsenal score for fun against Barcelona and the MLS All-Stars as well. But then we've seen deficiencies against Manchester United. But I do think there are lots of contexts surrounding that game, the pitch, the style in which we were defended against. And, you know, some of the question marks we were asked about the team that we were using and it's pre-season as well. So there's always question marks regarding that too. I don't think there is a great necessity to bring in another number eight who can play slightly defensive because if you want, you could play Rice and Partey together or Rice and Jorginho or Partey and Jorginho. So we have a lot of cover there already. Um, Clock Orange says, Tom, us not being proactive in selling 
Will it hamper our chances of bringing in the necessary players this season? What is the evidence to suggest that Arsenal aren't being proactive in selling? Because I haven't seen a single ounce of evidence to suggest that Arsenal are not being proactive in selling. And if you would tell me what being proactive in selling looks like, I'd be able to give you a better description of whether or not I think they are doing that or not. I don't think there's been ever any evidence at all to suggest that Arsenal aren't being proactive in selling, but maybe you can tell me something I've not seen so far, but I'd love to see it. Um, B Fella says, don't you think we might be using Zinchenko in the Jacarol next year? No, I don't. I've not seen any evidence to suggest that we are going to play that system or that Zinchenko is going to play there. Um, that's not to say that he won't, but we've not seen any evidence yet. And I don't think that will happen. Uh, Isaac says, how many uh, golf balls could you not find yesterday? Oh, loads. Uh, we were on a time pressure. So if a ball went into a tree, you didn't go find it. You just dropped a new one and played on. We didn't have the time to be looking around for, for golf balls. Um, and there were lots lost. I reckon, yeah, easily 15-ish balls lost. Uh, it was a long, that's between, you know, people. But it's like, yeah, it was a long, long day but it was a really, really good one as well. Lisa's on board of the Balogun saga now. <laughs> we'll prepare for more of it because <laughs> it's going to continue to rumble on, it seems. Uh, Stephen says, when was the last swap deal done? Uh, Alexis Mkhitaryan, was that our last swap deal? I think that might be the last one that we did. Um, Mark says, I heard that Crystal Palace were interested in Eddie Nketiah. What about him in a trade for Elise? And do you see us getting a Kudus or Elise type player? I I'd love to see us do that. I do think there is interest from Arsenal in signing an attacking player. I think the focus right now is on moving players out. That's why we're in talks for Lokonga, talks for Trusty, Balogun's being discussed as well. Um, there is a lot of work going on trying to get players out the door. So I think until we've sorted out the outgoings, we may not see, um, you know, we may not see that change. So there you go. Um, Derek says, how much salt uh, is a pinch or a punch? Uh, with rumour of Arsenal having emerged as one of the clubs interested in Dynamo Zagreb's talented defender, Josip Sutolo. Maybe a bowl of salt seems strong in the back. Um, no, that's not actually one to take with a pinch of salt. Arsenal do have a genuine interest in Josip Sutolo. Um He's a player that's been on the club scouting radar for quite some time. I'm not suggesting we're going to make a move for him this summer, but the interest in, in Sutolo is certainly genuine. Um, there is a genuine interest in that player. Um, Stephen says, what is uh, what is it with all these swap deals? How many clubs have done that this summer by uh, any chance? I mean, swap deals aren't wildly similar like or rather frequent. You don't see loads of them. And I don't think we've seen loads and loads of them this summer maybe more than than, than what is usual but uh it's just more because clubs and money trying to save money and trying to work things out financially so they benefit one another so uh swap deals are fine if they benefit both teams but it's difficult to suggest that a swap deal will ever benefit both teams in some ways because both clubs are willing to let the player go in some ways so how would that benefit them the ones that you have seen sometimes are like an established player leaving and another club getting a lot of like up and coming players that in return that might be worth uh, the risk in the future. Um, Clock Orange responding says, uh, as we can see, Pepe, Cedric, Nuno, Holding not being linked to anyone. I would not like us to uh, terminate their contracts, but get some money. I mean, it's not, a, I mean, again, I need some explanation around what you expect Arsenal to do in terms of being proactive and how you would judge that proactiveness, how you know that they're not being proactive. Pepe, Cedric, Nuno and Holding are hardly the most advertisable players 
on the market right now. And as I have said, like a lot, and I've spoken about this a lot on the on on the show, some players are more likely to be sold towards the end of the window because as clubs fail to get primary targets or they face injuries when the season starts, there are players available at the latter stage of the window that they will then move to. The problem that we have with Pepe and Cedric in particular is they're on very big wages, upwards of £100,000 per week. Nuno, of course, has had a really difficult season at at, uh, Marseille where he had reported issues with the manager. And Holding is, again, not a player garnering loads of interest right now. Cedric has had interest from Spain, to be fair. Villarreal is said to be one of those clubs that have been interested. Nuno, not necessarily as much. West Ham were mentioned. PSG were too, but that's that's not happening. Uh, and Pepe has been linked, I don't think, really with anyone. Pepe is a type of player that I feel like I can see moving maybe to Turkey, something like that. That might be a move for him to consider. But I don't think that we're going to see... Um, these players sold too easily and to, to point the finger at the club and say they're being they're not being proactive enough it's just not a fair representation of the situation uh, and I think it strikes as a as a, a just a, a lack of understanding about how the transfer window works regarding sales which is fine because you know it, it's the expectation that everyone knows everything that goes on or how it works would be unfair but to say that Arsenal aren't being proactive in sales just because you're not seeing reported links in what is obviously a tiny portion of what is actually seen and reported on and the reality of what's going on underneath is the iceberg analogy that I use to judge the club based on that and say they're not being proactive. It's just not a fair comment at all. Uh, Vera says, completely off the subject, but what are your thoughts on the congressional meetings on aliens? Uh, Viraj, I have no thoughts. <laughs> I just, It's not my fields. It is not my fields at all um whatsoever so i don't have any thoughts viraj sorry to disappoint you my friend uh, lars says what's up with patino not included in preseason whatsoever um he is seeking a permanent exit from the club lars so it's unlikely that he would be included in any kind of squad for preseason um he's actively seeking a move away and to be honest yeah we are very well stocked in midfield so there wasn't really space for him anyway um let's go to Marxes. Are you hearing anything about our plans for Tierney? From me, he's looked sharp in preseason appearances. Do you agree? And is uh, is it making a difference for his chances to play? Tierney is always and has always been very appreciated by the club. Yes, you might turn around and say, well, if that were true, they would have played him. But the reality of the situation is, is that he didn't stylistically fit into what Arteta was wanting from a left back when playing Ben White at right back. Now, I think that the acquisition of Yuri and Timber offers Tierney an interesting scenario where if you play Timber, I think you can play Kieran Tierney relatively comfortably. So I think that the club have always appreciated Tierney. They appreciate his professionalism, his commitment and his quality, but he's just not fit into the style of what they've wanted from a left back when using Ben White at right back. So let's see if when Yuri and Timber's in the team, if Tierney gets more opportunities, but unless the club get a very, very good bid Tierney will be staying this summer. Um, Daz says, is the club actually responsible for selling directly? It is not. Is it not the player's agent who finds a new club? No, it's all part and process of both. Uh, but clubs can seek, search out potential buyers for their players. Agents obviously will be doing work to try and find buyers for their clients. It's on both parts that you see this. Sometimes the agent will approach clubs to try and garner interest in the player that club will then approach Arsenal and say that we've been you know that we're interested etc etc or what you might do is get clubs ringing up sporting directors offering players there's actually websites out there that clubs can kind of list 
players on an official transfer market that does exist. Uh, there is like, we talk about the fun of FIFA and the transfer market on FIFA and stuff like that. There is a genuine place where clubs can put players up for sale. But as James McNicholas discusses on his whole show where he did a brilliant breakdown of what a transfer is and enlightened everyone to the reality of it more so, is that players don't always like be being put on those. But what I would say is that Pepe, Cedric, Tavares, you know, these are players that we know the club want to move on. And I don't think there'd be too many qualms about those players popping up on a website that was just advertised players being up for sale. Um, <laughs> let's go to LMS. It says, uh, conflicted on the Raya signing. Ramsdale deserves the number one this season, but needs to step it up. Raya may be on a free next season. Maybe if Arsenal can't agree a price this summer, that's what they'll look to do. But Raya will not be wanting to be in limbo for a full season, especially as a 27-year-old. So let's see. It might end up that he pushes for a move to Bayern. We're still very much waiting around and monitoring that situation as well for their own um, kind of interests in a goalkeeper peter says tom what better for marquinhos alone to a championship club or alone to somewhere like france or the netherlands i think that alone abroad is probably the better move for marquinhos i think that physically you know the championship can offer you lots of benefits and has done for certain players but i'd like to see marquinhos play at an elite league in the bundesliga in la liga i'd like to see him move somewhere like that and get opportunities there uh, in a team that can give him those opportunities. So I think we should be looking to try and loan him if we can. If not, I would be open to a sale if we get a bid that is higher than that of what we paid um, for Marquinhos. Uh, let's go to Derek. Says, will you be attending the Monaco match? I hope to get a moment with you, the boss, on statue game day. I'm looking forward to seeing the statue. I am going to be at the Emirates Cup. I am working uh, tomorrow. It's, of course, tomorrow, the Emirates Cup. So I'm very much looking forward to get back to the Emirates, getting it around the press and uh, and some colleagues that I've not seen since, of course, the end of last season. It's exciting times to be an Arsenal fan. It's exciting times to be at the Emirates. So, yes, I will be at the game and I look forward to seeing the Arsene Wenger statue tomorrow uh, for the first time. Um, Mohamed Bashir's come on, Tom. Not being proactive equals not moving a single player from the long list of must-sells. Uh, how many days are gone from the transfer window and how many left? No one is above criticism. No, but I'm asking you the question. I'm still waiting for an answer on this. Tell me what you expect Arsenal to do. Like, if we're saying Arsenal are not being proactive enough, tell me what they should be doing or what we should be seeing or what should have happened and how that happens. You can't criticise if you have no basis for that criticism. If your basis of the criticism is no one's moved or we're not seeing links with those players, despite the fact that Besiktas have already bid for holding and we've rejected that, despite the fact that there have been links to Tavares, there have been links to Cedric, and Pepe's situation is almost untenable for a potential sale with his wage uh, in the situation that is with one year left on his contract, and the fact that we're still in... Um, we're still at this kind of strange stage of the market where the season's not started. And when the season starts, an injury starts to happen and then the deadline day gets closer, that's when we can start to talk about these types of players. But until someone tells me what they expect the club to have done that will prove that they are being, quote, proactive, you can hold your criticism because it just there isn't any basis for it right now. How do you sell a player that no one's interested in? How would you convince someone to buy a player that they don't need, don't want, don't want to spend money on? If you have the answer to those questions, 
send them my way because I certainly don't. I certainly don't have the answer to those questions. Uh, AOC Cape Town says the championship is the worst league to develop talents. Uh, the football is so scrappy and awful. That's not true. Uh, most of the championship teams that are down there are former Premier League sides and actually you produce a lot of talent uh, in the championship. There's plenty of quality sides, plenty of quality players. Yes, it's physical, but that's the English game. The Premier League is physical. It is not a scrappy and awful league by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Zachary Lange says, any truth in the Faradona? I don't know who that is, um, but no, <laughs> I'm going to say no. Uh, Viral Short says, since our squad is currently bloated in every position, which two players would you consider selling and who would you bring uh, to compete for that spot? Well, obviously, Raya, I think, produces enough to compete for that that goalkeeper spot. A right back, we've got Ben White, we've got Timber, we've got Tommy Asu that can play there. Cedric is still here. I still think there's actually scope to bring in a right back of offensive style right back to the team, like a Tierney on the other side, if you like. Um, Saliba, Tommy Asu, uh, Timber can all play, uh, and Ben White can all play right centre-back. You've got Kivior, Gabriel, Tommy Asu can play left centre-back. You've got Zinchenko, Tierney, Kivior, Tommy Asu can all play left-back. We've got Partey, Rice, and Jorginho that can play DM. We've got Smith-Rowe, Trossard, Havertz, Odegaard, Fabio Vieira. If I said Smith-Rowe, I think I have. They can all play attacking midfield. Trossard can also play that role. Uh, right wing is the area. I still think we need to bring someone in. Um, Reese Nelson is injured at the moment. We haven't got an update on him yet. Maybe we'll get one on him soon. We'll have to wait and see. But there's still scope. So players that would be sold are obvious, like we've already discussed them today. Cedric, Pepe, Lakonga, Tavares, um, Runison, uh, potentially Matt Turner now as well could be one that leaves. So I think there's still scope to, to move players on. But we have a lot of depth. It's just that right wing slash centre forward and goalkeeper that look the most obvious positions to sell in. Um, Clock Orange says the club should have done what Chelsea did, is what I'm expecting. Right. So, what Chelsea did is they sold Eduard Mendy, Kaladu Kulabali. Um, let's have a look at Chelsea's all Chelsea all transfers. Boom, boom. Uh, yeah. So, we've got they've sold Kai Havertz, Mason Mount, Mateo Kovacic, Kaladu Kulabali, Christian Pulisic, Eduard Mendy, Ruben Loftus Cheek, uh, Ethan Ampadu. Uh, Angolo Kante, Cesar Azpilicueta on a free, Abba, Abdul Rahman Baba on a free, Abamyang on a free, uh, Fafana on a loan. So if the expectation is Arsenal should have done what Chelsea should have done, right? Is Pepe better than, okay, is Pepe, Cedric, Holding, Tavares, Lukonga better than Havertz? No. Better than Mount? No. Better than Kovacic? No. Better than Kolabeli? No. Better than Pulisic? No. Better than Mendy? No. Better than Ruben Loftus-Cheek? No. They're not better than any of those players. And clubs in the Premier League, being with Havertz, Mountain and Kovacic, wanted those players. Players in Saudi Arabia wanted Kulabali, wanted Mendy. AC Milan wanted Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Pulisic. So if you're asking me that we should have done what Chelsea did, you tell me how we get this witch's bowl and craft up some interest in our players that are like Cedric Pepe, etc. You tell me the answer. How? How? That's all I want to know the answer to is how do we do what Chelsea did? Because that list of players are very different to the list of players that we are got to try and sell. Very, very different indeed. Um, let's go to Derek who says, Tom, I have a feeling Eddie will be moved on and an announcement will come out of the blue. Maybe. Let's wait and see. Um, Dan says, hi, Tom. Don't you think criticism of holding in Ketty is over-exaggerated? I think holding can be a good defender for a mid-table or lower-table team. Yeah, I think that Holding is 
a lower end of the table Premier League defender. Um, I think that Enketia could easily be a striker for a club like Brighton and start plenty of games. Uh, do I think it's over-exaggerated? It depends on the context. If you're talking about the context of Arsenal, is Nketiah good enough to be Arsenal's number one? Is Holding good enough to be Arsenal's starting centre-back? No. Arguably, they're not good enough to be their second choice you know, at the club either. And I think that Arsenal should be looking to get better players as the number two pick at striker and at centre-back. So it depends on the context, Dan. If people are saying that they don't think they're good enough to be a starter or even the number two, I don't have much of an argument to the contrary for that. But if you're saying that they're not good enough for the Premier League, I would disagree on that level in terms of an argument about those players. Um, Neil says, the difference is 90% of their players are miles better than the ones that we want now. It's simply not the same. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, Lee says, what do you think will happen to Smith Rowe as we have signed Havertz now, which would surely make him a third choice? I don't like looking necessarily at that position as second choice, third choice. I think they're all in competition with one another in the attacking midfield roles. I think Erdegaard, Trossard, Havertz, Smith Rowe, Fabio Vieira, these are all players that have got to fight with one another for positions, fight with uh, each other for minutes. I think they're all capable of, I know Fabio Vieira's got the most question marks over him, but I think they're all capable of potentially um, you know, looking at uh, trying to get minutes as much as he's possible. If Smith Rowe's on form, start him. If Vieira's on form, start him. If Havertz is on form, start him. You know, you've got to use your best players that are in their best moments. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities as well. Um, let's go to Jake says, can you see Havertz covering at right wing? Maybe in desperate times, but I doubt it. That's one of the positions in which you really struggled at for me at Chelsea. Uh, Boss Bullis says, morning, Tom. Great show as usual. I'm going to the Arsenal shop tomorrow to buy my Arsenal kit, and I can't wait for the season to start. Thanks for your content. Keep up the amazing work. Respect to you. Thanks, mate. I hope you enjoy your time at the Emirates tomorrow. Uh, if that indeed is the Arsenal shop you're going to, you might be going to the one that friends we part. You may be abroad. There's lots of Arsenal shops abroad as well. Uh, Kirill says, hey, Tom, what would be your minimum expectation for Arsenal in this instance? For instance, last day in the Champions League, would that be enough? And top four in the Premier League? Uh, it depends on who knocked us out of the Champions League. If we get knocked out by a team in the Champions League that I think we should be beating, then we've underachieved in the Champions League. Same goes for the FA Cup. Same goes for the League Cup. And the Premier League, in my opinion, we should be the team behind Manchester City in every single scenario. You know, only Man City, in my view, are a better team in England right now. And in the Champions League, you've got obviously Man City, you've got Real Madrid, Bayern Munich are very close, I think, to us, slightly better right now, I would argue. Um, and there are other sides as well that I think you would come up against and go, yeah, I can understand maybe why we didn't progress past them. But that's the expectation. It is going and getting as close to what we can do as feasibly possible, progressing more than what we did last season. I'm not going to put a last eight, a top four on Premier League. It's all about, for me, progressing as a club. The aim is to win trophies, always. The aim has to be to win trophies. But the expectation is about progression and closing the gap between ourselves and the best point at the top. Uh, Clock Orange respond, responding again says, Tom, great point. Do you think that us not bringing world-class and shopping for cheap, aka the likes of Cedric Nuno Sambi, has put us in a situation where we're unable to sell them? I think with Cedric, obviously that was a depth signing ages ago. Um, Sambi and Nuno were projects. Not all projects are going to work out. That's the reality you know, of the situation. Sometimes you do want to sign players that aren't necessarily going to give you uh, that aren't always going to work out. Sometimes you take a couple of risks with signings. You look at Man City with Sergio Gomez, for instance. He's not. He doesn't, to me, look like a player that's going to, you know, take the world by storm at left back. I could be wrong. Who knows? 
But uh, I felt like Lukonga and, and Tavares in particular, like we needed depth at centre mid. We needed depth at left back. We might as well bring in some relatively cheap in the context of the market, young players to see what they could do. Um, but ultimately, Arsenal have done things like signing Austin Trusty, and we're going to move him on for a profit. We signed Matt Turner a year ago. And we're probably going to move him on for a profit. If we were to sell Erdegaard, if we were to sell um, Zinchenko or Ramsdale, if we were to sell Ben White, if we were to sell Gabriel, if we were to sell Saliba, all these players would be getting huge, huge profits. The benefit is, is we don't want to sell them. You know, we're not a selling club, in my opinion, anymore. Arsenal shouldn't be a selling club and shouldn't be judged necessarily on their selling in the same way that a club, you know, that are further down the table would. Chelsea, the turnover of players, the investment that's been spent on those players. Like we say Chelsea are good at selling, but they made a loss on Havertz. They made a loss on um, Kovacic. They made a loss on Koulibaly after a year. They made a loss on Pulisic. They made a loss on Mendy. You know, so we say that these clubs are great at selling, but they've made losses in all of those players. So, and yes, we can talk about amortization, all of that. But at the same time, you know, it's 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 not necessarily like, oh, these clubs are amazing. And also Chelsea have invested huge, huge amounts of money in some young players, like massive, massive amounts of money. If we have a quick look at their uh, youth side, Chelsea under-21s, uh, transfers all transfers so on their youth side if transfer mark wants to load for me please here we go they spent so you think about Cassaday that was brought in you think about um amari hutchinson that they invested a lot of like money on wages into it's now just gone on loan i think to ipswich they keep bringing in like, these really young andre santos of course we, we looks all right to be fair to him but like we haven't seen enough from him as a player, they're signing this guy from Wren. I'm not going to try and pronounce his name off the top of my head because uh, I will get it wrong and embarrass myself. But though those deals have to work. Angelo, they signed from Santos for 15 million euros. Um, who else is there? That David Datro for Fana, they signed for around 10 million pounds. Um, Gabriel Salina from Chicago for 9 million euros. Um, they spent 3 million euros on that Zachary loan and never got anything at all from it. Um, how much they spent on Wesley Fofana, and of course he's had massive injury issues. They spent a lot of money on Kukurea. Doesn't look very good at the moment. So there's big, big problems. Very, very big problems still for that club, and they need to sort out a lot that's going on there. They've made some good deals this summer. Nico Jackson I like, and Kunku I think is a really, obviously a really good signing, but they need to sort out that squad still and get the best in those players. And who knows, maybe Pochettino will be able to do it. Uh, Viral says, hey, Tom, my question regarding every position, sell two and buy one was too broad. Uh, can we do only striker left wing in the mid positions? Example, the striker we sell is Eddie or Flo, and then we buy Vlaovic or Felix. Um, I think if you sell one, buy one, striker is probably that area. You sell Balogun or Eddie and Ketty, you buy one. I think maybe you sell both and buy one centre forward because Trossard can play there, Havertz can play there. Um, I think... Left wing, you're probably right again, is another position you would sell one, buy one. The positions in which we need to buy one are right wing and goalkeeper, arguably, if Matt Turner does go. So they're the two positions that you think you'd still be looking to sign. I know some people think midfield. I personally don't, but uh, I think that's certainly another position that people are talking about. Penny Wins says, see y'all at Tollington tomorrow. It seems some of our TGT regulars are going to be meeting at the Tolly tomorrow. Uh, also, we'll be at the Tollington on Friday evening uh, for a Gunas versus Cancer event hosted by our good friend Mike Feinberg. So you'll be able to find us there 
as well. Right then, uh, let's end the show there. Thank you so much, guys, uh, for tuning in. Very much appreciate your time as always. I hope you had a fantastic start to your week. You continue to do so. And I hope that, of course, if for those of you that haven't already bought your tickets to our live event in London on the 13th of August, the Sunday at the Mildmay Club, please do link in the description or scan that code on your screen. Have a fantastic day. Drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. Other than that, it's been a real pleasure. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.